welcome everyone to This Week in Mormons, the Sisters Edition, with your hosts, Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales. Here we are at the end of April. The end of April. You know what? I was actually looking at the calendar and this, I didn't even share this with you. I don't even know if you've realized this. It has been five years since we have been hosting this. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. We started in May of 2017. And I know this because your little boy just almost is turning four. Oh, right. And we started this before he was born. We started this before he was born. I forgot about that. I, you know, it in just, my head, I was thinking like three or four years. I know. <laughs> well, it just struck me because one mm-hmm. of the first things that we talked about since we podcasted in May was Mother's Day. Right. And we are kind of mixing it up for Mother's Day this year in my ward. And uh, I was like, oh my gosh, how many years has it been? How many Mother's Day have we picked apart the presents that the wards give us? Um, like four or five years. So I'm sure when we podcast at the end of May, wait, we will be picking wait, apart. In May, we'll fully digest what we got this year. This is a preview. <laughs> this is a preview of our of our podcast in May. True to form, we will be picking apart Mother's Day because that is one topic we have consistently had a lot to say on. We're very opinionated. Yes, about Mother's yes, we Day are. and the presence from the ward. Exactly. Also Father's Day. Very true. <laughs> because a lot of times we're in charge of that. Exactly. But, uh, okay, so I have to tell you just my church-related, personal church-related news of the week. Oh, gosh. I have been in mourning all week. I had been in mourning all week last week, mourning the loss of a state conference over Zoom. (laughs) Because our stake had state conference this last weekend. And, you know, we've talked about it on here. Yes, we have. One of the things that... I long to see stay forever that COVID brought us is the state conference Zoom link. It was amazing. It was like one of the only things where I was like, this is the way it should be done. (laughs) And I guess I naively just kind of assumed like, this could be an option forever. Well, exactly. There, there are lots of people who maybe don't want to mix right. it up with 2,000 other people and, for state conference. And our ward is still doing a Zoom link every Sunday. Oh, dang. Now, granted, our ward has some um, pretty like – sick mm-hmm. people right now with like yeah. terminal illness that yeah. really do need the link, but uh, they give it to everyone. So, yeah. I mean, we've had days where we've been traveling or yeah. our kids are sick yeah. or we've been able to use it anyway. So all week last week I was lamenting because the Sunday before state conference, they announced over the pulpit, it'll be at the stake center. There's not enough room for all of us in the stake center. So it will also be broadcast at this other building. And um, if there is a special circumstance where you need a link, you can talk to your bishop about it. Oh, gosh. And so all week I was like, why? We can't all fit in our stake center. So why not just open the stake center? You know exactly. it'll fill up because my stake is full of high achievers. Oh, your stake you is so special. You know that stake center will fill up. That is not a concern in my stake. I get that in a smaller stake. <laughs> but no, definitely not in your stake. Those who want to see and be seen yes. by those in leadership will show up it'll an be, hour early it'll to be, stake conference. It'll be a full house. So why, yeah. why not send the link? Anyway, so I was mourning all week. I was kind of whiny. I was complaining. Oh, then you were murmuring. I was murmuring. And guess what I got for my murmuring? What did you give for your murmuring? I got two out of my four children throwing up on Friday and Saturday <laughs> for my murmuring. Uh, so guess who got the link to stake conference? <laughs> 
I think you planned this. What did you covertly do to make your not, children sick? I just so not, you could get the link to stay conference. You know my kids have issues with throw up, but I was like, I was just laughing. I was like, how ironic is this? I whine about it all week and I get vomit in my house. Oh my gosh. That is so so funny. Yeah. yeah. Folks out there, there are no children on this planet who vomit more than her kids. They have serious vomiting issues. So yeah, we texted the bishop and we said, um, our kids are sick. So he sent us the link for the the Saturday night, Uh which is also the link for the Sunday. And, Uh and I thought, oh, they'll be better by Sunday, but no, on Sunday, a different kid, a different kid going up. Of course. Which, I mean, I was going to use that link. Sharing is caring. I was going to use that Sunday link no matter what, even if the Friday night kid was feeling better. (laughs) Anyway, so yes. Okay, is anybody currently throwing Oh, everyone's good now. And I have to say, in the moment, I was like, you have to be careful what you wish for. This is not what I wanted. But looking back, now that we're like out of the woods, I'm like, that was not that bad. Does that show you how desperate I am for a link to state conference? It shows me two things. First of all, how desperate you are and how well, because your children vomit all the time, you handle and deal with the vomit. That's Like true. you have it down to a science. That's true. We are very good now about like keeping it off of floors, upholstered couches, etc. Like, like I know no one who's, who handles vomit better than you. That's true. So that's my state <laughs> conference story. Be careful what you wish for, people. Okay. Well, I'm going to beef on Easter music. Oh. So I love the Easter songs. Yeah. You know, the glorious He is Risen, the Alleluia song. Yes. So I get to church on Easter Sunday, open the hymn book, because, you know, mm-hmm. we sing the opening hymn first, and this, this is what I'm greeted with. Let me just, let me just play a small snippet of what I was greeted with. Okay. What is this? What do you think it sounds like? The Wild Bell song. It sounds Which like the is Wild. also a strange song. It sounds like the Wild Bell song. And you may recall in our January podcast, I was ripping on the Wild Bell song and why we oh, have yeah. to sing Wild Bells. Because you guys sing it every year. We sing it every year. And I and we never sing it in my ward. So they started in with this song and I'm like, what the heck? This sounds like Wild Bells. It's called That Easter Morn. So technically it is an Easter song, but I think it's an Easter song pretending to be Wild Bells because it sounds remarkably like Wild Bells. Okay, so your worn music person really has a thing for Wild Bells and songs that sound like Wild Bells. That is so strange, though. So I, you, I don't think you didn't sing like "He Is Risen." We we did sing. You got one. We did sing "He Is Risen" for the closing song. Here is why we didn't get to sing the other really good Easter song, which is "Christ the Lord Is oh, Risen right, Today." Yes. The choir stole that. So because the choir stole that, we only got the peppy "He Is Risen," and then we had oh. to sing do the we, do mournful. We Easter any, song. Do we not have any other Easter songs? We have Oh Savior Thou Who Wearest a Crown. Oh. But I don't even know what that you one is. You know what? We need some more Easter songs. We need some more Easter songs. Anyway, so we don't have a lot. I'm looking at I'm I'm I am beefing that we are saying a really depressing song on Easter. Which sad. I know is kind of silly. Well, no though. I mean, really, if though if those were my choices, like why not choose like um I don't know why the choir could there's, sing something there's so else. many other songs. I, I that are more upbeat about the Savior. Not necessarily in the Easter category. Not in the, in the Easter category, but they are upbeat but about the Savior and you could his even resurrection. Just sing, I know that my Redeemer lives. Like, 
oh, that would be a great Easter song. Anyway, no, no, we had to sing the depressing Easter song. Okay, staying on that same theme of music, because this is my intro tonight. My intro is all about the music tonight. So Friday night, um, my husband and I have a date night Friday night. And the professional bull riders were in town. So we got tickets to go watch the professional bull riders. It's a very Idaho thing to do. It is a very Idaho thing to do. We love a good rodeo. What can I say? Although this wasn't a rodeo, this was just the bullfighters. So, um, you know, they do some bullfighting and then they have this intermission. So, you know, basically people could go buy beer, mm-hmm. although they were doing that all throughout. There were so many drunk people. Anyway, and so um, during the intermission, they are just playing music on the, on, the, on the speaker system. Okay. And all of a sudden there is this snippet and there's no words. It's just the musical accompaniment. And I'm like... That is shoulder to the wheel. No. And they had 10 seconds of shoulder to the wheel. And as soon as I said to my husband, that is shoulder to the wheel. You know, because you know when you hear a church yes. hymn and you are not in a church place and it takes you a minute for your brain to like go. That happens to me at Hobby Lobby. Exactly. It takes you a minute for your brain to go. I, 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 I know that, but it's so out of tune. It's so out of place. Mm-hmm. As soon as they finished the 10 second snippet of shoulder to the wheel. I got a 10 second snippet of popcorn popping on the apricot tree. What? I am kidding. What is happening? I kid you not. And then they were back to the rock and roll music. And it's funny because this is this is a nationally produced. They go around right. to cities. They travel. This is they a, travel like everywhere. An Idaho thing. This is not an Idaho thing. And so I was like, oh, who's running the audio tonight that's slipping in the Mormon songs? <laughs> that is so funny. It was crazy. It was I hilarious. Am dying to know like the background here, the story. I, I'm dying to know the background too. How I just can we was find like, this out? Who's I, in charge? I don't know. But I was it was just so funny because like I said, when you're in a setting that yeah. is not a church setting and you hear a very familiar church tune, you're yeah. like, this is messing with my brain. <laughs> messing with my brain. <laughs> that anyway. Is funny. Who knew? I know who knew. So all right. Well, should we cover some news stories? Let's cover some news stories. Okay. We're going geographically this week. Oh, yes, we are. We have actually. stories from all over the country. We don't have a lot of ton of international news this week, no. but we're going to start on the East Coast. We are. We're going to work s- our way west. It's like we're on the Mormon Trail. <laughs> Only we're going to go a little further than Salt Lake because we're going to make our way all the way to California. We are going to span both coasts tonight with our LDS news. Yes. There's right. all kinds of fun little tidbits. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, starting on the East Coast, we are going to start with the lovely thriving metropolis of Washington, D.C. And our first story, Washington, D.C. related, is this broke over the weekend. Um, on Saturday, former Republican senator from Utah, but he lived most of his life in D.C., so that's why we're considering a D.C. story, uh, Orrin Hatch passed away. He was the longest-serving Republican senator in U.S. history and the longest-serving from Utah. So, I did not realize that until I read this article. I did not realize that either. The longest in history. History. In history. And it said 42 years. Yes. He was elected in 1976. And when he was elected in 1976, he had never held a public office before. And what's kind of crazy is he graduated from law school in 1962. Mm-hmm. So basically 14 years after he graduates law school, he's sitting as a sitting senator in the United States Senate. I'm like, that's insane. That, that would never happen these days. 
anyway, and so he's elected in 76. He retired in, I believe, um, what did they say? Just a couple years ago. Yeah. Was 2000, it 2019, 2018? Two, two, 2018, he did not run again. Mm-hmm. And Mitt Romney took his seat. So, um, and, and he had just kind of this really remarkable career when he was in the Senate. He served with seven presidents. Four of them were Republican. Three of them were Democrat. He headed three committees and he passed nearly 800 pieces of legislation during his time in office, which is kind of crazy. Um, he was a big defender of several things. First of all, he was a big defender of religious freedom. And he um, he, he was asked in 2018, out of all of the pieces of legislation that you worked on, what are you most proud of? And he said the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And here's what's really interesting. He said in 2018, that would not pass today. And he said, that has protected religious freedom like never before. It's something you think you wouldn't have to protect, but believe me, you have to protect it. So I thought that was really interesting that 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 was his favorite one. Um, The article um, also goes on to talk about he had lots of leadership. Uh, At one point in time, he was the um, president pro tem of the Senate, which put him third in line for the presidency. And... um, He considered running for an eighth term, but he had health issues. Failing eyesight in particular caused him to decide, yeah, I'm going to step back. I'm not going to run. And then, of course, Mitt Romney ran and um, won the seat. He was a workaholic. Um, He really shaped the federal judiciary. 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 I I am punchy tonight. It's been a long day. I'm going on what, like 15 hours right now since I've been awake. It's been crazy. (laughs) Anyway, um, he um, participated in a lot of Supreme Court um, uh, appointments, but also federal judiciary appointments of a number of judges. Um, And then probably one of my favorite things about this article, and this was a Deseret News article, was it talked about his relationship with Senator Ted Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, where is the Ted Kennedy stuff? Because the Ted Kennedy stuff is really good. So, um, you know, it's just, it's a relationship that you would never, ever, ever see today. Um, he and Ted Kennedy, of course, they were on the political spectrum, very different ends of the political spectrum. Um, and they, Senator Hatch said we would fight like brothers, but they ended up being so close and working on a lot of legislation that required bipartisan support. And that's what you wouldn't see today is you wouldn't see the most democratic Senator and the most conservative Senator working together for bipartisan legislation. But he and Kennedy were so close. He spoke at Senator Kennedy's funeral in 2009 And he said, I am grateful for the late Senator Ted Kennedy, who taught me that the bonds of friendship are stronger than any partisan pull. There are a lot of politicians who don't follow that these days. And that makes me grumpy. Yeah. Anyway, so um, I'm, uh, of course, the um, President Biden had uh, kind words to say about him. Many other political leaders had kind words to say about him and the things that he did serving as a senator. So, um, you know, very sad for his family. I'm sure he will be greatly missed. Um, But at 88 and considering everything he did, I would say he had a very good life. Yeah. Long run there. Long run. I wonder how long it'll be before someone beats that record. 
I feel like it'll be a long time because I, I, I feel do. like these days they're coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> or you want out because it's just too much. <laughs> so no truer words have been said. Um, anyway. Okay. So we have one more Washington DC story. This is about the open house. Um, yes. It is in full swing now. It is. Well, it, this week it goes in open to the public. Yes. But last week um, they opened it up to, you know, dignitaries and media and special people. Um, so this was a little Did you get up. your invite in the mail? I did not. Oh, neither did I. I really, really want to go though. Um, <laughs> Jeff, and by the way, Jeff, I know he'll talk about it a lot, but we, yes. we want the full inside scoop because when we had the Meridian Temple open house here, what was it? Four years ago. It was shortly after we started doing yes. this. We gave you everything we knew, like from being ushers. Oh, yeah. Kids vomiting well, on the floor. He talked a little bit about that last week, that they are not doing the tours. It's kind of a self-guided thing. Oh, so they don't need as much people. I missed that. But they still like to have people I'm like- I'm sure they have to have people it, guiding directing, people, directing people. And then they, of course, like to have you know the, the punch parking and cookies. lot people. Okay. Yes. Punch and cookies so you can talk about yes. the church. We want to know like- are you getting a job, Jeff? Yeah, exactly. Because what assignment did you like, sign up for? This is going to be months. This is going to be way longer than your average exactly. open house. So I'm sure at some point he's getting a job. We want to know what the job is. Exactly. So report back. Okay. <laughs> so DC open house last week opened up to the dignitaries. Uh, the church newsroom released um, just a little write-up about several uh, famous people that were there. One was Jeffrey Goldberg, who is the editor-in-chief of The Atlantic. Mm. Um, it said he welcomed the invitation to walk through the temple. Um, he said, this is a quote from him, especially in today's America, it's so hugely important to try to understand your neighbor and try to understand things that seem superficially foreign or unlike what you're used to. Mm. And he said, if we all make that effort, our country will be a better place. Um, it said they had about 4,300 guests go through um, in this past week. In the VIP in tours. In the VIP tours. There was Wolf Blitzer. Oh. Um, Wolfie showed up. Dana Bash, another journalist. Okay. And Sam Feist of CNN. Oh. Huh. He's like a big CNN guy. Okay. Um, anyway, and so they had some quotes from some of these people. And there's pictures. If you want to go see the pictures, it's kind of fun to look at, you know, people that you know. Uh, in pictures walking through the DC temple. Um, Feist is CNN's uh, Washington bureau chief. Okay. And she said the, or he said the temple was breathtaking. Hmm. I was taken back by the light, the brightness and the brightness of the bridge entering the temple. So a lot of talk about how bright and light it was. Very cool. Could that be the spirit? (laughs) Anyway, uh, Paul Ryan, former speaker of the house was there. um, And he said that he was, he expressed, they said, Ryan expressed delight at the marvelous concept of the church's doctrine of baptisms for one's deceased ancestors. Very interesting. They said Wolf Blitzer, who's Jewish, um, like really appreciated the traditions and mm-hmm. found like the similarities mm-hmm. between Judaism. And so, and then they also had um, some LGBTQ advocacy people that were there that oh, they had invited. Okay. They said Angela Hewley. Huey, who's the co-founder and president of the Arizona LGBTQ advocacy group, One Community, um, went through the temple and um, she said, it seems so fitting that when we're bringing LGBTQ inclusive organizations and faith-based organizations 
together for this very meaningful sacred journey to really get the opportunity to experience the DC temple um, with members of the church that have become good friends to us. She's just expressing like this friendship and how it was good to come together. Um, Sister Eubank was there, Sister Aburto, I'm sure other other general authorities. Um, But Sister Eubank said that as the world polarizes, as people don't have as much in common, this is an opportunity for us to find places we do have in common. So very cool. I don't know. It's always well, fun to read about. And that DC temple is just, you know, yeah, such an opportunity to get some of these really exactly notable people in there where you wouldn't in exactly any well, other and, regional temple. And they all live there. So And that's exactly why they delayed mm-hmm. the open house at yeah. post COVID is because they wanted to use the temple as a as a public mm-hmm. relations tool, yeah. which is great because people go by it and they can't go in it, and right, now they can for right. a period of time. Well, and they quoted several of the journalists in the article that you know have said, "I've driven by this for years." Yeah, and, and you know, I think there are so many people that would not turn down an opportunity exactly. to go in there after driving exactly. by it for years and years. It's such a notable exactly landmark. So very exciting for the DC Temple. All righty. Well, let's continue our journey westward. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to basically skip Middle America because not much happened this week in um, stories related to members of the Church of Jesus Christ in Middle America. We're going straight to Colorado, folks. Oh, that's middle-ish. So <laughs> well, that depends on your perspective. It's For true. us here in the West, we think Colorado we is think kind of the, the middle. West. You ask anybody on the East Coast, and they're like, oh, that's totally that's the West. And I'm like, yeah, it depends on your perspective. <laughs> Okay, so this story comes to us from Grand Junction, Colorado. Um, About a year ago, there was a chapel in Grand Junction that um, burnt. It didn't like burn completely to the ground, but there was significant damage to this chapel. It was determined that it was arson and it was a juvenile girl who was subsequently convicted of the arson um, that damaged this, that, that caused all the damage to this temple or to this building excuse me i told you i am punchy there's not a temple burned down there's not a temple burned down (laughs) there's a meeting house anyway so the meeting house has just kind of sat there for the last year and the church has done nothing with the meeting house which is kind of somewhat surprising which is really surprising because generally speaking they you know when a meeting house burns Mm -hmm. down they make immediate plans to fix it right well and any kind of damage to property they usually yeah I think are on yeah, it. Exactly. They are. So the city council, it must be in a suburb of Grand Junction. I think it's in a suburb called Fruta. Anyway, the city council of Fruta really wants the church to fix this building up. So they actually passed a resolution on a four to two vote asking the church, hey, will you come and repair this building? And it was kind of interesting. They they had this really interesting discussion amongst themselves when they were voting on this because some people viewed the building as this is a great community asset. We are not endorsing one religion over the other. We are just asking the church to rebuild this community asset because people from our community worship there and that building has a lot of meaning to them and we would like to see that continue in our community. Others who voted against it were like, well, it feels like we're endorsing a religion by asking them to, to, right. to fix their building up. Which I thought was really interesting because I would think any 
city council anywhere would ask anyone to fix up a building if it's an eyesore. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't matter what type of building exactly. it is. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So anyway, so they, they had this resolution, which basically said the Fruita city council would like to voice support for the reconstruction of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints building in Fruita, Colorado, which unfortunately uh, burned in April, 2011, 2021. The building has been a great asset to the community since the sixties. So it's an older building which may explain in part why the church doesn't right. want to fix it up. Many of our local citizens, whether part of the membership of the church or not, have benefited and have been impacted in a positive way from using the building. It's a great resource to our residents and our growing community. So when I read this, I was like, why isn't the church doing anything? They had three wards in that mm -hmm. building. They immediately relocated the three wards. So I'm sure now there are buildings with four wards in them because right. that's what happens when you have to do that. And I was like, why are they not fixing up this building? Well, I did a little, I did a little research and this is purely speculation. This is Tiffany 101. Um, they are building a new temple in Grand Junction and um, it's under construction and they unveiled the new plans on April 16th. The new seven acre site is located on the corner of Horizon Drive and 17th Street. And so it made me wonder, Generally speaking, when mm -hmm. they build a new temple, they like to do a meeting house next to the temple. Right. If maybe that's why they haven't rebuilt this building in Fruta is because they know, hey, we're building a temple. We're going to build a meeting house next to the temple. This was a 1960s building. It was costing us a mint to maintain. Let's just get our new building built. But it kind of surprises me that they haven't taken any action on the old building to say, hey, we're going to put it on the market, sell it, mm -hmm. et cetera. But kind of an interesting article that a city would say, I know. please rebuild your church for us. So. I know. And they asked so nicely. They really did. I would think they'd be like, get your building, like <laughs> get it together. You got some, you, you, you got some stuff going on but here. But maybe that's just how HOAs operate. <laughs> maybe well, cities are nicer. I don't yeah, know. That's true. <laughs> okay. Should we, should we migrate to Utah? Yes. Let's migrate to Utah. We have a couple of. Tabernacle Choir articles. We like a good Tabernacle Choir update. Um, first one is the Tabernacle Choir uh, was in a bit of a pickle because they canceled. They, you know, they were supposed to do a European tour the year of COVID. Yes, 2020. And, they had planned um, a big excursion they to had Europe. A, we're going to do a big Europe, European excursion. Apparently, they had a cruise ship reserved as transportation, housing, and meals. Don't for the you, choir's travel between venues. Don't you think that is fascinating? I was like, what? Well, you think about it. What if they got like 300, 400 members of the yeah, choir, yeah. plus all the staff and everything, plus they can bring their spouses if they want. They have right. to pay for their spouses, but they can bring their spouses. So where are you going to put all those people? That makes so much sense. It Let's get a cruise sense. ship. And it does seem easier than coordinating all the trends, like if you get this cruise ship and you say, we want you to stop here, here, and here. Exactly. Right? And then you just bus them. Yeah. So from where they need to stop and then you take them back to the yes. cruise ship. So then you don't it's have your a brilliant plan. You don't have your choir members packing up every night to right. move to a different hotel yes. and having to schlep luggage here and there. Yes. I tried to get all the rooms in the same hotel. Exactly. Exactly. No, I was really amazed with the brilliance of this I plan. Know. 
like, who thought of this? I know. I, anyway. And this was pre-Mike Levitt. Yes. Well, unfortunately, that got canceled. and um, But they still had this cruise ship. Choir, <laughs> choir was left with this big bill for this cruise ship. So um, their new president, Mike Levitt, as Which you mentioned. I have to say, I'm giving mad props to Mike Levitt. He has gone in and he has just gone full frontal assault on this choir in terms of we're modernizing it. This is our mission. This is what we're doing. This is exactly what he did when he was elected governor Uh in, in, um, in Utah, he's treating the choir like a like a little mini state. <laughs> he's like, so let's get it together. I, I just, so. I do. I just give him all sorts of mad props. Anyway, it's very interesting. So he came up with this idea and working with the cruise line, it's Azamara Cruises. Okay. They will resell the choir's berths on the cruise ship this summer. Yes. Um, creating two separate like Nordic cruises. Yes. Because, you know, got to break this up so people can afford it. <laughs> And then um, 100% of the net proceeds from the new bookings will go to charity. And they expect to raise like a million dollars. It said it could raise more than a million dollars. Yeah. So starting price, like lowest price. For the cheapest cabin, no window, 200 square feet. Yes. $999 per guest. Uh-huh. Um, it says there are about 700 berths available on each cruise. Um, there is one cruise starting like mid-June, does Stockholm, Sweden, Finland, Poland, and Germany. There's another one that does Copenhagen, Denmark, um, and Norway, Arendelle, Oslo, a bunch of those uh-huh. ones. So, And they're kind of back-to-back. One yeah. is like June 17th. The next one is June 24th. So, well, and it sounds to me based on the fact that they're, they've got what slots, what did they say for 700 or 800? Uh-huh. 700. 700. That this is one of those, it's a smaller ship, mm-hmm. clearly. And it's one of those cruise ships that's designed to go all up and down those rivers right. in Europe. And that's probably what they were going to do originally was go oh, all yeah. up and down the rivers in Europe and stop at these major cities that are all along these rivers yeah. and do their performances. Yeah. So very cool so they're going to donate um the proceeds to care the international rescue committee and the american red cross very cool so way to make lemonade out of lemons again and all those poor choir members are like darn we wanted to go on the cruise (laughs) no seriously i have looked at those river cruises because they look they're terribly expensive so this is a value at 999 dollars. yeah they are expensive um that um they just look so cool like, like if that. i were to do a cruise that would be one of the don't send me to the caribbean eh, i don't want any of those cruises i would want to do this cruise they do look very cool um okay so other choir news wanted they are hiring oh they would like a new managing director so this person it would be the managing director to okay. oversee the organization as part of a new administrative structure. Now this is separate from Mike Levitt; he's the president. Yes. So I'm guessing, but he's this, this is an unpaid position. Yes. His is a calling. This would be more like a day-to-day logistics manager yes. type of thing. And I'm so, guessing this is paid. Yes, this is paid because there's a whole application. Although I could not find the window of pay. That's Ooh. what I was like super curious about. I think. What do you pay? I think the church, because my husband has applied for jobs uh-huh. for the church mm-hmm. in the past. I don't think they give you a window of pay until you get very far along in the process. Exactly. <laughs> because I really wanted to know, like, what are we looking at here? Because I looked at the requirements and it is a 
they want someone highly skilled. Okay, so tell me the requirements. Now I'm really curious. They want someone with like at least 15 years of like high managerial okay. experience. Like not like, you know. Like you you were you were running a like big organization. Corporate manager. Corporate manager. Okay. Yes. Um, and then there were a slew of other requirements, but they want someone with a, I thought, I think they even wanted a graduate degree in either management or like music related, but with a managerial. So do you have to be able to sing on tune to have this job? (laughs) I do not think so. (laughs) Do you have to read music to have this job? I also do not think so. (laughs) I think they're leaning more towards the managerial, but they did say like experience with you know, musical groups would also be helpful. So hmm, anyway. very interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Donnie and Marie have any former managers they could, you know, throw the choirs away. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Well, I was all hip on going, oh, maybe I that could be my in with the choir because you know I do love me some tab cats and yeah. I can't sing. So that's never gonna happen. But um apparently neither is management. No, but maybe they need an attorney. <laughs> How about a cruise director? I could so be the cruise director and plan all their activities. <laughs> You could write up all the contracts for their transfer of the cruise. (laughs) Exactly. Mm. Okay. So we have one last Utah story before we move further west. Mm. And this comes to us from none other than Brigham Young University. I'm sure you've heard of the Cougarettes. Oh, yes. Who hasn't heard of the Cougarettes? They are the dance team for the university. They like to come out and prance on the football field, and they perform at games, and they do shows and all of that. Okay. Have you watched the – I'm going to sidebar for a minute here. Have you watched the Netflix Cheer? The show Cheer on Netflix. And they always go to Nationals in Daytona. Yes. Well, Nationals in Daytona is not just about cheer. They also at Nationals in Daytona – have um they not only have cheer they have dance competition there and a couple of other different competitions there that are all part of this national mm-hmm. competition the ones for cheer they're just doing cheer well the cougarettes went this year and they won first place in not one category but two they won first place in um hip hop and first place in jazz Right, which is not new for them. It is not new Turns for them. Turns out they might be BYU's winningest team. Uh, yes, they won their 20 Of all the teams. Their 21st <laughs> and their 22nd national title. It is very true. Of all the athletic competition, athletics that they mm-hmm. have at BYU, the one that wins consistently on nationals is the Cougarettes. Yes. And, and some they people, are so good. They really are. Like if you ever watch their, I'm sure most people have seen yeah. their videos. They fly around like crazy on, they go viral. They they're, really do. They're so good. Well, and it's funny because some people are like, ew, dancing, that's not really athletic. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If you have ever done that, like even just like the people who, the celebrities who go on Dancing with the Stars are like, I had no idea it was going to be this hard. My girls have a constant battle over this in my house. I have a basketball player, soccer player, and a dancer. Oh, gosh. And my basketball soccer player is constantly railing on my dancer about how it's not a sport. And me and my dancer are constantly fighting back that, yes, it is a sport. It's very athletic. She sweats. Her heart rate is like... Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Anyway, so, you know, congratulations to the Cougarettes. I think that is amazing that uh, they have had this. The article also talks about, um, obviously, in 2020, 
the nationals was canceled due to COVID. They did hold nationals last year, but it was severely restricted. The parents couldn't come. They weren't performing in front of a live audience and they get they get a lot of energy from performing in front of a live audience. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that if you've ever watched the Netflix show cheer. And, um, so this year it was back in full force. I guess last year they play second in jazz and that was their motivation. Mm -hmm. Just like the television show cheer. We're going to win this year. We're coming (laughs) back better, faster, stronger. So congratulations to the Cougar X. Very exciting. Very exciting. All right. Now we're going full West Coast. We have some stories. We are going to none other than California. 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 (laughs) Okay. Our first story is actually a write-up by Jenna Reese, but it's on a new television show. Okay. Series. Limited series, um, which, so we blumped this in California. You know, Hollywood. It's Hollywood. It's It's Hollywood. That's why it's gets the California treatment. Hulu has a new series. It's set to come out this week on April 28th called Under the Banner of Heaven. Now, this is based on a book that John Krakenhauer wrote. A book in 2000. He wrote in 2003. I guess it was a bestseller. I have no memory of this. Did you ever hear about this book? Oh, yes. So he wrote, first he wrote the the, the Mount Everest book. He got super famous writing the book about all the deaths on Mount Everest. And this was his second book. I did not read the book, but I audio listened to the book. At that point in time, I was driving back and forth between Provo and Salt Uh Lake on a daily basis. And so I did the audio version of the book and I, I did not mind the book, but apparently I probably won't like the TV series according to Jenna Reese. So (laughs) do continue. Okay. If you didn't mind the book, I didn't mind the book. I had never heard of this book, but I was kind of a newlywed back then. So I was very oblivious. Um, so the book was based on a true story of some 1984 murder murders of a 24 year old girl named Brenda Lafferty and her 15 month old daughter in Salt Lake city. Yes. So that is a true story. And she was apparently caught up with um, the guy she married, or I don't know if she had married him. You know the full story probably. Was you know, she married to the guy? Yeah. Like a fundamentalist guy that was, it was caught a fundamentalist. up in polygamy. I honestly don't remember the storyline. It was so long his ago. His family and his brothers apparently uh, got into like kind of madness over their fundamentalism yeah. and, and that's And that is what I remember about the book is they were extremists. They were right. not... They may have started out at some point in time as mainstream members, but they became very extreme. Right. So Jana Reese uh, must have gotten an early screener because she she has watched the first five episodes. Okay. And she wrote this article based on that. And she says, um, faithful Mormons will not be happy with this, <laughs> with the treatment of this. She said um, that I guess the book caused a big uproar. Um, and in the years following the book's release, um, the, there did come out that there were like historical errors and mm-hmm. misleading generalizations about the church. She even said at the time, the church issued multiple statements of protest or clarification, which I thought was really interesting because okay, I, don't I don't think don't the remember. church does that a lot. I don't remember that at all. Uh, so it must have been a big deal at okay. the time, but I don't remember. Anyway, she said in the book, the underlying theme was kind of that um, all religion is profoundly illogical and dangerous, mm-hmm. often dangerous. And, um, she said that thing theme kind of hangs true in this mm-hmm. uh, adaptation of it for television. Now she did say there's a new character for the show that was not in the book. They introduced this fictional character named Detective um, Pyrie, and that is who Am- Andrew Garfield plays. Okay, 
didn't mention this. This has some big people in it. It's got Andrew Garfield. So okay. I think I think that you know it's going to get a lot of. It's, I, I think it's going to get a lot of views. It's going to get some traction. Um, so anyway, the, so he is a made up character, and he's the detective investigating this. And then also, she says that throughout the series, you know, he is a faithful member of the mm-hmm. church, um, and he has some type of a faith crisis oh, as he's experiencing interesting this take on this story. Hollywood. And if you've watched the preview, I have not watched the preview, but I have seen <laughs> a picture is alarming. I saw it a few weeks ago when it first started yeah. like hitting the internet and it's one of those previews that makes you very uncomfortable. If you're a faithful LDS yes. member there, it starts out with him saying a prayer. Like the very first line you hear in the preview is him saying a prayer that is clearly a Mormon prayer, a Mormon prayer, which is what perked my ears because I hadn't even heard of it. I just this preview popped up. I was on something, and I was like, "Wait, what?" And then there is a scene where they show them in full temple clothes, yeah, clothing. So that's also like, well, and that's what I saw on the internet. Is I saw pictures on the internet with the preview mm-hmm. that showed the woman in right. full temple clothing, and that was an immediate turnoff to me. So I was like, right. I'm not even going to look at the preview on this. That always gives me the heebie-jeebies. I know. <laughs> so um, anyway, she did. So Janerice did say um, one of the creators of the show, his name is Dustin Lance Black, actually grew up Mormon. Yes. Um, he is gay and lives in San Francisco. Oh, you've heard. And he won an Academy Award for- um, Oh, for Milk. For milk. Yes. Yes. It says that in the article. Um, so it said that he really did um, try to make an effort to mm-hmm. talk to different church members and different church leaders about mm-hmm. any concerns as they were making this show. Like, what would you like to see? And I think his takeaway from that was that um, they really needed to draw a clear line between the mainstream LDS church yeah. and fundamentalists. LDS, which maybe the book hadn't done so much. And she did give him credit that she... See, I don't remember that from the book. You don't remember that? I don't, you know, and and maybe and maybe I don't remember that from the book because I'm reading the book as a as an active member. You know. And so right. I know. Yeah. And so perhaps if I didn't have that in my background, right. I would have lumped all Mormons under this crazy category right. because I'm reading the book and for me it's like, these are a bunch of really wacky people. Right. You know right away that they're Yeah. I'm like, like, well, they don't belong to the same religion I do. So anyway, she did say that the series, like she could tell, went to great lengths to make a very clear divide. Okay. And so she appreciated that. Um, Anyway, but she did say that like she still felt like her overall impression after viewing the series was just kind of this – hit on religion in general, like religion kind of being full of like power, power hungry people and, and all that. So anyway, that was her take on it. Um, she did say the production, um, was amazing and like great performances. So I I do think it's going to get a lot of traction. It probably will. So that will be interesting. If you want to watch Gird your loins. You've been warned by Jana Reese. Well, and I want to thank Jana. Thank you for your service. So now I don't have to watch it. It's going to be intense. Okay. So our next California story. I I don't know how much you were aware of this. I was super following this story about 20 years ago. Um, Oh, I was aware I was at BYU. Oh, you were this better. Was all we talked about at BYU when I was there 20 years ago. So I... I am I am Generation X, totally admit it. Grew up on real world, real world New York, mm-hmm. the original real world, 
loved the Real World series. Um, in the year 2000, Real World went to the city of New Orleans. Not only did they go to the city of New Orleans, they thought, what would be better than to take a Mormon with us to the city of New Orleans? Mm -hmm. So they recruited at BYU and they found this girl named uh, Julie Stouffer. Maybe it's Stouffer. I'm not entirely sure. I don't recall I how her last. Stouffer. Stouffer. <laughs> anyway, so she appeared on the Real World New Orleans series. And, you know, she was she was young. She was 20 years old. She was trying to figure out herself, her religion. She came from a very religious um a very religious family. And she's just like a typical 20 year old in this, in the real world, just mm -hmm. trying to sort out, you know, do I believe what my parents believe or do I believe something different sort of a thing? So she ended up getting kicked out of BYU because although she never slept with a boy or engaged in any of that on the show, because she was living in a house with yes. members of the opposite sex to whom she was not married. Yes. And BYU said this was all anybody talked about exactly. on BYU campus for like six months. Every editorial section of the Daily Universe, everyone around campus, it was like, should she be kicked out? Shouldn't yeah. she? People had very strong feelings. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so she tried really hard after the show was over with. She went totally Mormon, tried to get back into BYU. She never did get back into BYU. And she ended up going to the University of Connecticut. Um, she does end up meeting a returned missionary and she marries him. And then they kind of simultaneously on their own paths start going through a faith crisis. And so um, this particular article that I'm referencing is a piece that was in the Salt Lake Tribune. And the reason that this has resurfaced is um, what MTV has done is they have gone back to some of these casts, some of these uh, late 1990s casts and early 2000s casts, and they have done what's called a homecoming show where they put them all back together again and say, what's happened in your life in the last 20 years? And they did one for New Orleans and she agreed to appear on it. And obviously she had to explain because Mormonism was such a strong storyline in her first um, go round. She had to explain that she was no longer Mormon because she had not really talked about this publicly. Um, no, but I think people kind of, I think knew. it was suspected. I think, I yeah. think like I remember reading an article about her several years ago and being pretty sure yeah. she wasn't in the church anymore. Yeah. But. Yeah. And so this article just, you know, asks her about, um, you know, her experience on the MTV show, her experience kind of, you know, deciding to, to, to leave Mormonism, you know, she says, well, I'm, you know, really happy in my new life. She's married to an ophthalmologist. They live in California with four kids, hence mm -hmm. the, this being lumped into the California thing. You know, I, I'm going to have to admit I'm kind of bummed mm -hmm. because I, I, you know, and again, I realize everyone is on their own faith journey and they, everybody gets to have their own faith journey and they get to decide, you know, what they're going to believe and what they're not going to believe. Um, but, you know, she was, I, I think she was so typical of, of kind of a, the 20 year old girl at that age that, you know, I, I, I wish she had her faith journey had not right. taken her where it was, but. I have to say, I was not surprised at all. Not, not like I'm not trying. Yeah. To, I'm not trying to sound judgy, but yeah. 
But I was just not surprised because I really thought after what happened at BYU that she would have left right away. I was actually surprised to read yeah. that she stayed in she so long. She tried to stay, yeah. Because uh, she got so much hate. She really did. So much hate from people at BYU she that really were so did. upset about her. And like, and that I did not appreciate because I thought it was unjustified. Awful, mean, just horrible yeah. comments, calling her names. Yeah. And, and, you know, they would write this in letters to the editor and I heard yeah. that she would get harassed on campus yeah. and I never saw her on campus. Um, but I would have thought that that would have been what like drove her out, but it yeah. wasn't. No, she actually stayed faithful for many years after that. So. She, she, she did. And, and, mm-hmm. and I do remember that. And I thought that that was really her treatment yeah. and, and the way people judged her on that was really uncalled for. Right. And I mean, not even BYU. I mean, BYU, do what you do. Yeah. Just the people the at people, BYU. Exactly. Um, to be so mean to her was it was hard to see. It was yes. also very hard to watch her on the show. I mean, it's yeah. just, I mean, I know she said she doesn't regret it, but I'm like, oh, I am so glad nobody put a camera on me at 20 years <laughs> <I know>. old. <laughs> it's, you know, again, props for being brave or stupid to do it. I don't know. I know. Okay, so my last California story. Okay. This is one of my favorite, 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 favorite stories of the week. <laughs> um, I love Jennifer Gardner. I, I think she's too. an incredible actress. You know, she's just, I don't think there could probably be a nicer person on the planet unless we were talking about Dolly Parton. She seems very nice. She, she seems, seems very nice. She's one of the few celebrities whose Instagram I follow because yes. she's just so fun. Exactly. So, um, she has had the biggest, hugest childhood crush on Donny Osmond, just loves Donny Osmond. So she was, she is turning 50 this year. And in a couple of, in, in, in the days leading up to her birthday, she, um, went out to lunch or breakfast. I'm not sure which they're in a restaurant with a friend and the friend is filming her and the friend is filming her while Jennifer is opening up a video message on her phone. And the video message on her phone is from Donny Osmond saying, Hey, Jennifer, wishing you happy birthday. And she is just like so excited about this video message. As she is watching this video message, Donny Osmond comes up behind her and all of a sudden she's hearing Donny Osmond in stereo sound and she <laughs> sees him and she totally fangirl geeks out. She's just like, ah! so, so he shows up and he has this cake that says 13 going on 50. He sits down, he spends like an hour and a half with her. They sing a couple songs together. You know, he's just, he just is wishing her a happy birthday And it is just, she posted a video on TikTok. Um, He posted videos about it as well. This is what she had to say. He took an hour and a half of his day to sit with me, sing my favorites, and to give me a master class on how to be a class act. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how cool is that? And, And he, on his own TikTok, said, surprising fans is one of my favorite things to do. So when I had the opportunity to surprise the lovely Jennifer Gardner for her 50th birthday, I was overjoyed. So I just thought, how that's cute. That's just sweet. We and love cute. a good Donnie Osmond story. We do. In <laughs> fact, Donnie's been a lot, but Donnie's been in the media a lot lately because I know. I feel like every month we have a Donnie well, story. There was a picture floating around on Facebook. Um, Donnie, so some people that used to live in my ward here in Eagle mm-hmm. moved to Provo and they literally live like two houses down from Donnie and Debbie. So they're in the mm-hmm. same ward. And Donnie 
his, his calling is teaching you Sunday school, specifically like the 16, 17, 18 year olds. And so he showed up on the Sunday to teach about the coat of many colors. Oh, no way. With his coat of many colors. <laughs> and so there's this whole group picture of him wearing the coat of many colors and all the teenagers from the Sunday school class. And I think, I think he posted it on his own feed, you know, like uh-huh. no better way to teach about the coat of many colors than wearing it to church. Oh, that's so funny. So, okay. Shall we do, um, should we do that one or we're, well, I think we're running out of time. Let's okay. skip that one. All right. I do need to give a quick shout out to one last story. Okay. Jeff talked about this last week um, because actually somebody who, a regular who listens to the podcast, who's a mm-hmm. friend of mine, sent me a link to this story and he said, do this on the next twim. And I said, I will. And then Jeff stole it. And he said, <laughs> I don't think Jeff adequately addressed this story. I think you need to. So this is this is a shout out to David. So who happens to be a counselor in my bishopric. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so David and his wife, Tracy, uh, at one point in time for a job assignment that David had lived in China. And while they were in China, they met this couple there, O.T. Benson and Julie Benson, mm-hmm. and they became really good friends with the Bensons. And the Bensons were just amazing when they lived in China. And then everybody finished their assignments in China and went on their own way. Um, you may recall from last week, um, Jeff was talking about how uh, Brother Benson and Sister Benson recently accepted a work assignment to Krakow, Poland. Yes. And when they first accepted that assignment, everybody was like, um, that's a really unstable part of the country. And they have eight kids. They're like, why are you taking your eight kids to Poland? That's nuts. Mm-hmm. So they prayed about it. They felt good about it. They arrive in Poland and all of a sudden the war in Ukraine breaks out. And they become this, their house becomes this place of refuge. And um, they have all of these stories. In fact, you can go on his Facebook account. Um, his Facebook um, is OT, the letter O, okay. the letter T, Benson, B-E-N-S-O-N. And you can go back for the last you know month to six weeks since the war in Ukraine started. And you can read all about the oh. different families that they've helped and how they've helped those families. Mm-hmm. They call it um, the Ukraine Starfish Rescue in reference to you know somebody walking along the beach Mm -hmm. and all the starfish are on the beach and you throw them back into the ocean and you feel like I'm not making a dent. Well, you are for the starfish you threw back in the ocean. And that's how they feel about it. And so I was reading the stories. They're heart wrenching and it's just amazing to see what these people are doing. So okay. So follow up. We can go on Facebook. You can go on Facebook. More information. And you can just you can just uh, search OT Benson okay. on Facebook, and his page is public, and so you can read all the stories of everything that they've been doing, and it's okay. it's pretty amazing. Oh, that is cool. So, oh my gosh, you know the other thing we forgot to talk about? Did you see the thing Jeff posted on the Facebook page that was the anatomy picture? Oh gosh, from the BYU Idaho. <laughs> textbook. Okay. So this is really interesting. I I hopped on earlier and I was reading the comments. Okay. So what it is, is Jeff posted this on the Facebook page. Somebody submitted it. Who's at BYUI. And it was from an anatomy class. And it's a textbook picture drawing of a male and a female and the female body. Only there are like holes, spot, a spot covering Private parts. All private parts have been um, <laughs> have been covered by a little been, spot. Have been covered. So anyway, I was like, "What? This can't be real!" And I was like, cracking jokes to my husband. I was like, "Next time you go to the doctor, if there's a BYU book diploma on the wall, you might like be a little scared." <laughs> so, but 
But anyways, uh, but I was reading the comments because I was like, how is this? Is this really real? There's no way this is happening, right? And it was interesting. Some people in the comments were saying that this is for the online pathway. I saw that. Because in different countries, they have different regulations. Ah. And that perhaps for some reason, maybe the pathways course picture ended up in the regular BYUI, like maybe that yeah. professor accidentally grabbed yeah. that or something because there were other people on there that said, you know, I've done an anatomy class at BYUI and this is not what they showed us. Oh, anyway. Okay. So all is not as it seems, thankfully. <laughs> but if you want a good, like entertaining comment section, go pop on the Facebook page and look at that. Oh, I can't believe I missed <laughs> so. the comments on that. You know I love a good Facebook comment. You do. I save, I, I, I perform a service. I save you generally from having <laughs> do. to go down the rabbit hole. Because I do not usually like a good Facebook comment section, depending on the topic. Okay. I can only handle certain degrees. All right. Well, we need to get to one of our favorite segments, Mormons Behaving oh, Badly. Yes. And we have nothing new, but no. we have updates. We, yes, we have had, I have, in the last 30 days, we have not been able to locate a story of a Mormon behaving badly. It hasn't run across our desk, but Which I do have updates. <laughs> so first update, you may recall I gave Ammon Bundy a Lifetime Achievement Award, and I have an update on Mr. Ammon Bundy. So last year he was convicted of trespassing and he was sentenced to five days in jail, but those five days were suspended if he did 40 hours of community service. Pretty standard sentence. He was told at that time, community service means doing something for the community. It does not mean your gubernatorial campaign. So what does he proceed to do? Submits 1,900 hours of community service for his gubernatorial campaign. Yes, because if you do recall, he's running for governor. He's running for governor here in Idaho. state of Idaho. So um, the prosecutor was less than um, amused with his 1,900 hours of gubernatorial campaigning service. (laughs) So she files a motion for a um, contempt hearing. And so he had a contempt hearing at the first part of April. And the judge ran him up one side of the flagpole and down the other and said, Mr. Bundy, you were told by this court that, Kim, you're working on your own campaign does not constitute community service. I expected you to do something for the community, and you did not. So not only are you going to serve your original five days in jail, I'm going to find you in contempt of court, and you're going to serve another five more days in jail. Because five days in jail is the maximum for contempt of court that's allowed for per contempt charge here in Idaho. So they probably took him into custody. He spent 10 days in jail. He was released on Easter. You could say he was risen. (laughs) Back out on the streets. Campaigns. And then we will do a quick Lori Vallow update. Lori Vallow has been sitting in the crazy farm of the funny farm. Um, however, the judge recently declared that she is competent now to stand trial and entered. She did not enter a not guilty plea. She remained silent. So the judge entered a not guilty plea on her behalf. She refused to waive her right to speedy trial. So her trial is set in October, but his trial is set for January and there's supposed to be combined trials. So I'm yeah, not I'm exactly sh- about that. sure how they're somebody somewhere is going to have to work that out. I don't know how that's going to work out. But But we're finally getting a trial. In any event, we're going to get a trial. And don't worry. As the Twim Sisters, we will keep you updated with everything you need to know but don't want to read. As will Dateline. As will Dateline. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can compete with the Keith Morrison. <laughs> although I will be, I will have more brevity than the Keith Morrison. <laughs> yes. Okay. Speaking of Dateline, that's it, right? We got to move on to our favorite thing. We got to move on to our favorite thing. My favorite thing is Dateline adjacent. <laughs> oh. So. Okay. Now I have to give a disclaimer here. I have had such a busy, crazy couple of days. I haven't even thought of a favorite thing. So I told Ariane. I am punting favorite things to okay. you tonight. You have to, you have to, you have to do two. a favorite thing for me. I get me. two. You get two. It's good because I have two. Okay, I have a lot good. of favorite things lately. So, um, okay. So have you watched The Thing About Pam? <gasps> this show? I have watched The Thing About Pam. I love The Thing okay. About Pam. So for those who do not know, it was a Dateline that they did, you know, the Dateline with Keith Morrison. Yes. They did this true crime story about this woman named Pam and there was a murder. And, and they also thing. put it on a Dateline podcast. And then they put too. it on a podcast and it was wildly popular and I never listened to it. It's been sitting in my queue. Yeah, I've never listened to it like either. Two it was years. sitting in my queue too. So I didn't know. Are we like the same person? <laughs> so I knew nothing about this story. And then they released this show based on the podcast and the okay. Dateline episode. Um, so I went into it knowing nothing and we binged it all last week. It was so unique the way they did oh. it. It was super campy. And Renee Zellweger stars yes. as Pam and she did not gain weight for this role. They put her in a fat suit, but man, the makeup and the costuming yes. on this was and amazing. Her, and her acting. I was like, oh, it was good. Oh my gosh. She plays the most annoying person and she's yeah. really good at it. Oh, it was really <laughs> so. good. And they they aired it. They aired a new episode every week for six mm -hmm. weeks because it's a six part, it was a six part series. But if you have the Peacock app, mm -hmm. you can watch it on the Peacock app. And right. so if you if you missed it when they aired it, yeah. So anyway, we were obsessed. It was fascinating, and it was really interesting the way they did it. I feel like they walked a very fine line between like, yeah, this is a murder story, but yeah. they kind of played into like the quirky weirdness of the. Yeah. actual people that were involved and they made it really campy. Like, they did. And I don't know how they got away with it, but they did. It, it, it was good. And as I was watching it the whole time, I was like, are they going to try to do this with Lori Vallow? Because they're obsessed oh. with that story. But I'm like, I don't think you could do this I with that story. I think Pam had more character to her that, that they could do that. too creepy. Lori Vallow is too dark. <laughs> it's Pam, too creepy. Pam's story doesn't seem so. dark. Okay, well, that is too funny. We actually technically share a favorite thing. Well, there you go. Okay, your anyway, next favorite thing. it was thing. very good. My next favorite thing is the pretzel at Sonic. Sonic has a pretzel? Okay, I didn't know this either. What? Some Instagrammer posted about it. Sonic has a pretzel. And it is delicious. And it Get is the only thing I like on the Sonic menu. Okay. I do not care for Sonic. I don't even like their drinks because I'm a drink snob now. And we have all these fancy Utah drink people. So now I don't even like a Sonic drink. I have to get my drink at like the fancy soda places. Oh gosh, I can't with you. <laughs> so I don't like Sonic at all. There's nothing on the menu I want. Except apparently no, the pretzel. There's a pretzel that I will drive to Sonic for. Okay. It is I like a soft pretzel like you get at the a mall. A description of this it's pretzel. It's a soft, buttery, twisted pretzel like you get at the mall. Okay. So how big is the pretzel? And it's like, you know. Like, is it as big as the pretzels you get at no, the mall? No, it's smaller than it's the pretzel smaller than you get the pretzel at the mall. Well. And it's not a pretzel shape. It's like a twist pretzel, like in a stick and a twist. Okay. It's, a, okay. it's soft, buttery, salty, gooey delicious. Do you get a sauce to dip it in? Yes. It comes with cheese sauce, but I don't even dip it. It's just good by itself. Oh, really? I never in a million years. Okay. So what's a pretzel going to set me this. back? Oh, it's like a couple bucks. Well, maybe, that's not bad. Maybe 250 
Cheaper than mall pretzel. Okay, well, I, who do not mind the Sonic drinks, I love a good Route 44. Just had one on Saturday. I may have to go get a Route 44 and hook myself get up with a pretzel. pretzel next time you go to Sonic. I I, I have no words. Who knew? I, yeah, who I knew. I never would have known. Okay. All right. Well, I think that probably wraps it up for us tonight, and it's probably a good thing because I'm so punchy that if we went on much longer, we'd probably lose listeners. She needs to go to bed. I so need She's to go to bed. She's been in excessive meetings for the past 24 hours. Well, no, for the past 48 hours. hours. Like, seriously, I can't get a break. Anyway, so Twim listeners, Twim Nation, thank you very, very much for joining us tonight. If you have any questions or comments, feel, feel free to email Jeff at contact at thisweekinmormons.com. You can also find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on the Instagram. And of course, if you want to be a Patreon subscriber, (laughs) I told you I'm bunchy. If you would like to be a Patreon subscriber, three bucks a month helps us keep the lights on and we would really appreciate it. This is fun. I'm enjoying this. I'm sure you are. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good night.